Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with one of our new guest hosts, uh, Lisa Bao, and uh, we she comes to us with a background for in writing and kind of helping people find their uh, purpose and potential, similar to me, uh, but more on kind of the, the writing lens. So, uh, Lisa, if you can let folks know kind of what you're doing now, and then we'll get back to uh, what you were like as a kid. So what are you up to these days? Sure. So I have a small writing coaching business. Mm-hmm. And we do a few different things. A lot of, we mostly work with like high school, university, graduate students, helping them to improve their academic writing skills and Mm -hmm. also just how to navigate the educational, the institution and communicate with teachers and access resources and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and then also kind of what to do after school. You know, so, you know, I remember when I was in high school and I was going to do a degree in political science and it's like, why are you going to do that? You're not going to get a job. Right. So that's, I work with liberal arts students and that's a pretty common thing. You know, what are you going to do with an English degree? Sure. So also part of what we do is help coach students. Like if they want to go on and do further education, um, what's that process? or they want to, what kind of careers can they get? How do they communicate these skills that they learned in their liberal arts degree to a professional position? Because there's really no professional position for someone with that degree. For sure. Um, And then also sometimes my students come back and I do professional coaching with them, say they're in the job and they want to improve their communication skills. So everything I do is around communication in different areas to different audiences, right? So teacher, professor, employer, admissions committee, boss. And I I truly believe to be a good writer or presenter, communicator, um, you have to be both create, you have to have creative skills and technical skills. So a lot of people, especially if they're um, coming from a, different linguistic background they focus a lot on the the technical aspects of writing okay their grammar right and stuff and that's great but to be a good communicator yeah you want to have the the foundation but you need to know okay what does this audience want how do i communicate this idea to this audience you know you'll see i'm babbling on but for (laughs) my last point but for instance i find really good teachers or professors are the ones that have multiple assignments. So they'll have like a research paper, a Twitter post, a blog post, and students might think, well, you know, why am I doing like, that's easy, man. Take this guy's course. Sure. But actually what they're doing is they're trying to get you to learn how to communicate complex ideas in different mediums to different audiences, right? Right. So someone reading a research article um, is very different than someone reading a tweet. Sure. You know, so that's a lot of what I do, translating, synthesizing um, information so that people can understand it. 
Yeah. So helping people become better communicators and yeah. uh, hopefully improving themselves in the process. So I'd love if we kind of uh, went back in time and, and uh, listened to what was what was Lisa like as a kid? So growing up, what was kind of the earliest fondest memory that, that you remember? Um, and then kind of walk through the progression until kind of current day. So what was uh, Lisa like growing up? Were, were you shy, introverted? I mean, typical writers are like kind of bookish and, and in the corner just reading or, or, or was there a different uh, origin story? Yeah, well, you know what? I hated reading. In <laughs> Interesting. I hated reading. I was a very slow reader. I liked math. Okay. And I was not, didn't really get into reading until maybe grade 11 or 12. And hmm. then I really got into it. You know, I'm like reading Dostoevsky and like these deep books. Wow. But I found reading painful. I also found writing painful. You know, interest when I was a little kid, uh, I used to write short stories and I won like a short story contest and stuff like that. But when it came to like assignments, I really found it painful because I would think so like, you know, you got to get this perfect sentence and, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, fortunately my dad is a very good writer. He's, he's a retired lawyer. And he, when he, even in high school, he had stuff published in McLean's magazine and stuff. Okay. Very funny guy. And so he would um, uh, sort of coach me through the process. So he's kind of impatient. So what he would do is he would just write the sentence. Okay. <laughs> he started. And then you would learn, and then I'd sort of learn and from, okay, this is how we started it and whatever. And, um, you know, over time, it became less and less painful. And I just would just kind of do it. And it kind of helped that my, I know my dad's going to check it. He's <laughs> okay. Check it. He's going to rewrite it. He's going to comment on this. And so through that process, I got more confidence. And the best compliment I ever got from my dad was, did you actually write this? <laughs> so, I mean, that's what I was like as a child writer there's a lot of other things I did as a child I wasn't just sitting around like writing I was more like you know swimming climbing trees I grew up in the country so you know exploring playing with I had a very very happy childhood and lots of make-believe dress up crafts that kind of stuff. Cool. What were some of, what were some of the uh, major influences along the way? So obviously your dad from a writing perspective yeah. where, I mean, without his encouragement, you probably wouldn't uh, be doing what you're doing now. Um, but uh, I, I don't know where they're... So it... He was more of the <laughs> old school critical guy. Sure. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. A little bit more militant in his means and stuff like that. But the, the fact that, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe the um, means the justifies the end or something like that. I don't know, but... I mean, that was his way of encouraging. <laughs> sure. <laughs> From a oh, different era. What about some of the other influences? So you mentioned that that you're climbing trees, make believe, and all that sort of stuff. So, so you mentioned that uh, there's a lot of creativity in writing. So I'm guessing the make believe had a lot to, uh, in terms of influences on, on that side uh, as well. And uh, you mentioned that you won some like uh, writing contests as well. Like, what what was? Uh, do you that recall like what you were thinking about when when you were writing those stories? Uh, that one, I think, was like a kite turned into a bald eagle. Okay. Story that <laughs> that one, I, I don't know what I was thinking about. <laughs> I, the eagle was, I think, named after my cousin. Okay. So maybe I like missed my cousins. Um, I think I really liked magic and stuff. Okay. 
magic and um, mysteries, I still love murder mysteries. When I was in grade six, I wrote a story about our our kitchen was getting renovated and I had read a book and I, I wrote about some sort of crime. And I wrote this story that the contractors were like, you know, putting drugs in behind the cabinet. <laughs> I can't remember my parents read the story and they were just like a little alarmed. Like, oh, happening? I said, no, no, no. This is like, it's from a book. The contractors aren't doing anything weird during the day. Yeah, this is just fiction. It's not a documentary about what's happening in the kitchen right now. So. I, I think what I, I think, I guess I got inspired by what's in the real world and like a bald eagle, a kite, and then- sure turn it into something else or you know contractors in the kitchen and I, I'm not like that fanciful compared to some um creative types who create entire like I was never into Tolkien sure Lord of the Rings and stuff like that cool. um who are my uh, sorry I kind of went off on a tangent uh influences well I guess like I'm gonna go back to my parents like my mom uh she's really the more kind of you know here's a dress up box go play make believe go outside climb up a tree like she 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 really was because she grew up in northern manitoba and they literally used to run around barefoot in the bush okay so she thought it's really important you know you get outside and you like explore stuff and maybe both my parents so like I think we were exposed to a lot of things and mm-hmm. even though we lived in a small town of 2,000 people it wasn't like a big transition to move to the city and stuff because our parents always we traveled around we saw different things we um like I remember once as a kid uh driving down the streets of Edmonton this might be an inappropriate story but or East Hastings of Vancouver or something. And and my dad actually pointing out and saying, okay, that's a that's a prostitute and going around <laughs> the block and showing us that's a prostitute. And why is that? Because, you know, if you see like a movie, like Pretty Woman, it kind of glamorizes what it means to be out there on the street. But this is actual, the actual reality. And like, same thing, East Hastings, in Vancouver, there's a lot of um, drugs and poverty and stuff. Right. And he, he would drive us up there. So a lot a lot of this, like, you know, I had a very safe, secure, happy childhood, but I was also exposed to these things in the world that are not happy. So I think that's, I'm like kind of realistic about things, but at the same yeah. time, optimistic. So yeah. I guess my parents, I can't think of a lot of teachers and stuff too but no I think that your the parents tend to be the, the most influential in, in most people's lives so it sounds like that you uh, definitely didn't have that sheltered life where the pe- things were kept from you but at the same time uh, you, you felt safe and, and encouraged to kind of be yourself and explore I, I'd love if you dove into kind of that uh, grade 11 12 so so you didn't like books your 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 dad was kind of like uh, uh, like cracking the whip and saying do this do that whatever and then it sounded like th- for one reason or another you, you started liking it and you loved it like so when did that happen how that happen and, and how did you kind of uh, start picking up the, these books that most kids wouldn't be reading <laughs> on their own how did that transition happen especially if you didn't like it before well I think it was 
was in, I think it was grade seven or grade nine. Some, one of my junior high teachers, um, she said, okay, you have to read 10 pages a day. Okay. The reason I didn't like reading is because I was like so slow at it. Okay. And so through this exercise of reading 10 pages a day, I, it became like not as daunting, you know, you have like 200 pages and it's like, oh my God, I can't read this. You know, you read one page and you're like, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was that also I grew, I, I, I didn't grow up. I was not encouraged to grow up fast. I could be, so I was like reading Robert Munch, you know, all the way into like grade six, Robert Munch is a kid's book. I still, I have like a whole bunch of them. I was not into like novels and you know playing with dolls and whatever so I think I wasn't like oh I have to read these important books and maybe something happened like I mean you go through puberty you mature and I think maybe like my interests changed okay so all of a sudden you know these children's stories are not that interesting and I'm I start thinking about like bigger questions so Russian literature like wow a lot of pain and suffering and I don't know if maybe as a teenager you're kind of I was like I didn't go do crazy stuff I didn't go out like partying or whatever so I was not learning about pain and suffering and broken hearts and whatever from life so I was kind of fascinated maybe by it in books sounds good so so you kind of picked it up to kind of live vicariously through the different characters in the different books and saying okay well like my my uh family is pretty safe and secure we don't have all this 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 craziness and and it just kind of in, intrigued you uh for that so um so so now you're reading uh all of these different books learning about a whole bunch of different ca- cast of characters over my house right okay go and like get these books we had a lot of books so that's the other thing so proximity just made it easy where I guess your, your parents kept a lot of them around. So it was just, just made it convenient. Uh, and, and then you decide to pick like uh, poli sci, political science. So what's, what does that uh, transition or, or how does that decision get made? Was it, was it pretty straightforward? Was it supportive uh, with, with your parents that they, they wanted you to take it? Or was there kind of like a, a lot of guesswork involved? What was that process uh, like? Well, I was, so from a young child i was kind of a weird kid okay a lot of kids are you know like most kids have like posters of pop stars and i don't know if they do now but like on on their door or whatever like sure. like i had posters of like prime ministers <laughs> okay so when i was nine uh my dad he was pretty active in politics and so he, I got to go to the legislature to meet the premier at the time. Oh, okay. And our like legislative representative, I was nine. And um, that became a thing that my dad and I would do together. Mm-hmm. My mom was not so into it. And so my dad would sort of bring me to all these different things. So I got very interested in politics, you know, partly to bond with my dad and I I had a really good memory so I would memorize I thought it was fun to memorize like countries (laughs) what what I would memorize all these things and I think even as a kid I was like pretty compassionate and I I saw this as a way to like change the world Mm, you know 
Um, and I remember when I was five, four or five, I woke up in the middle of the night and I realized, oh my God, we're all going to die. <laughs> I mean, I realized like people die. I remember wow. that when I was five. And being like, I, I don't know, sad, like, oh no, my, one day my parents aren't going to be here. But I remember like my own existence and I thought, I don't want to die. What can I do about that? And I literally sat there thinking these things through and I thought, well, I have to do something important that re gets recorded in history. And then that way, like I have to have some sort of legacy and then this way I'm not going to die. And so I was in, I, I literally, when I was a little kid, wanted to be prime minister. It hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. And so... <laughs> I liked politics, sat down, filling out the applications. I said to my parents, well, what do you do if you like politics? Well, political science. Sure. And they both had political science degrees. And I remember asking my dad, what do you do if you want to be prime minister? He said, well, a lot of prime ministers are lawyers. Well, mm -hmm. a lot of lawyers have political science degrees. So it seemed like a good plan. Now I studied Canadian politics and Canadian history. And I thought, this is some boring stuff. <laughs> and, and later um went into like chinese politics and stuff like that that was okay. more interesting so cool. my dreams of being prime minister um changed but i do have friends who work in the worked and work in the prime minister's office and stuff okay. because i was all into that so, so talk to us about that decision. So, so you're in there, you have aspirations to become the next uh, prime minister, uh, and then uh, you uh, potentially take the lawyer route or whatever route to, to get there. You, you start taking these courses and it's like, oh man, this stuff's boring and I don't want to keep doing this forever. Like what, what, what happens during that process? Like how is some of the, the, the transitioning? Like, was it that these, the, the, the Chinese history, you kind of navigated towards that and found like just more interesting ones or, uh, and then what was kind of the, the thought process to say, okay, now what do I do? Like when I graduate, if I don't want to go into to politics and do all this sort of stuff, like how is that decisioning process uh, along the way? Yeah. So I think there's a few different things. One, it was boring. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of students and parents put these expectations on their, on their kids. Um, they sort of are focused a lot on the grades mm -hmm. and focus a lot on, um, you need to do something to get a job. Right. Okay. And so I think because both my parents have bachelor's degrees and they turned out fine. And I would hear stories of my dad just like, you know, doing this course, not, he, he, he didn't, he, he, he was not like a responsible student. <laughs> he, and, and, and I, and I think they, uh, the other thing is when they would talk about school, they, they like enjoyed it, but they were not like, I don't know. They're, I mean, they cared about grades, but they were not so focused on it. So I think right. what I'm trying to say is I went into university with the mentality of I'm going to learn things that I like. And if I learn things I like, I'll probably do well. Right. That's, that's my philosophy. Not, oh, I'm going to take this course because it's supposed to be easy. Usually right. that's when it's not. Right. Because it's not fun. Yeah. Um, and I think I also had different expectations going in. I forget, someone had told me, you know, you need to expect that going from high school to university, 
you're not going to be the superstar anymore. Sure. Your grades are going to change. Yep. So, and I'm coming from a small town into the city. So I don't have these, I, I, I already have an expectation. Things are going to be different. So I think again, I don't, I'm not putting these expectations on myself, which then made me be able to choose what do I like? And so I was, I liked history. I was taking a world history course and I was really drawn to the Chinese history part. And hmm. I'd always been kind of interested in that even as a kid. Um, and so I thought, okay, because I'm going to do what I like, I'm going to take a full Chinese history course. Okay. And then I got to know the professors and the same thing, Chinese politics and slowly like it shifted to that. And then the more I did that, see, here's what I think. You can have a plan, but really things happen organically. Mm. If you just follow your interests and your passions, it's going to work out. Like, you don't know how, but it will. Mm -hmm. And so keep doing this stuff, keep doing this stuff. And, you know, I get to my fourth year and I'm working on my um, thesis and my supervisor, he recommends a book to me. I go to the library. It's all in Chinese. I can't read this book. <laughs> okay. You know? I switched supervisors. He wasn't the best supervisor, but that made me realize, okay, if I want to study this more, I need to get some language skills. Okay. And I signed up for one of the Chinese language classes. Now that particular, so I guess she's a big influence. That particular professor, I don't know why, she just really liked me. She just <laughs> really thought, you know, this kid has some sort of potential she really loves this stuff she's into it and so she hooked me up with some scholarships and programs mm -hmm. and whatever that helped me go abroad to china to learn chinese you know she just messaged me on wechat the other day mm -hmm. about her recent book so she she kind of you know i i'm very i'm from a small town very shy cried at summer camp first month of university cried every day you know i'm not like a brave person but her kind of encouragement made me go abroad i went abroad to mm -hmm. china several times and that was like a life-changing experience because wow. you can't speak the language don't know anybody don't know anything and you just have to figure it out and i think that just like makes you braver so I kind of went on a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that sounds amazing where, I mean, when someone uh, kind of uh, makes a bet on you and kind of encourages you, that, that can have a huge impact and influence. And from uh, someone who's not brave to someone basically moving halfway across the world and immersing yourself in the culture, uh, that can be quite an interesting um, experience. So uh, talk to us a little bit about like afterwards. So, so you end up doing a, a master's as well from, from what I understand. And then what is the journey to kind of where you are now? Cause uh, like you obviously weren't going the political route <laughs> yeah. unless you were going to land in Chinese politics well, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, well, I, I did do an internship at the Kane embassy in Beijing. I thought, okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't do the political route. I, over time, I just realized I'm not a backstabber. I'm not a <laughs> I don't know if youth politics is much more ruthless than, but let me tell you, I knew Patrick Brown when he was 19. And when he did some stuff here in Ontario, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> so um, I don't know. It's just, I, my, my core value is integrity. And I felt like at the time, 
I couldn't do that and have integrity. Now, okay. maybe if I'm old and older and retired and I want to be a local representative, I probably would have the strong sense of self enough to operate in politics and have integrity and still navigate it. But when I was, you know, 20 something and a shy kind of sensitive kid, mm-hmm. I didn't understand like what is up with all this game playing and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's why I got to that. But um, yeah, so why did I um, go off to grad school? So, you know, what's interesting is like, there's certain things you do, you, you just go off and do like, I went to this talk about why go to grad school when I was an undergrad. Okay. I was thinking of going to grad school. I just went to this talk. And I remember someone asked the student, well, why did you go to grad school? And she said, I just knew I wanted to learn more about this topic. And for some reason, this stuck in my mind, right? So I was in China and learning Chinese, really enjoying it, thinking, what do I want to do next? Right. And I had applied for that internship at the Kenyan embassy in Beijing. I didn't get it. I thought I'm going to go into government or something. Right. Cause I mm-hmm. political science. And for some reason that person's what they said came up in my mind and I realized I want to learn more about China, mm-hmm. Chinese politics. Like I read all about it in books. I've been here for a year. I want to like really, you know, delve into some sort of, topic now i have the language skills i'm going to apply to grad schools funny story even my references said you're not going to get into u of t <laughs> okay he said that right my undergraduate advisor said i don't think you can learn chinese it took me like a long time to learn french how are you gonna learn chinese well i mean i don't have great chinese but in one year i went from zero to like advanced chinese i could read things write things talk to people survive so it's possible um so where am i going with this i mean i think i think i think this all comes down to like trusting your gut okay they're literally literally we're just when i'm really like just calm i kind of know what i want to do And then once I know, I don't know if other people have this experience, like this kind of knowing, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times where people are telling you what you should do, right? Society's telling you, your parents are telling you, the teacher's telling you, whatever, social media is telling you, you need to do this. But if you, I don't know, ever since I was a kid or what, there's just this kind of quiet voice that's like, I want to do this. And then of course there's another voice, that's crazy to do voice. It's like, no, I'm going to do this. So yep. even people say, I don't think you're going to get in there. You can't do this. I'm like, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. I don't care. Write the reference letter. I'm going to give it a try. And so I, yeah. And then I ended up here. And weirdly enough, when I was seven, um, I remember I told someone, oh, I'm going to go to university for 12 years because I thought university was 12 years because the rest of school is 12 years, right? I thought next step course you know it's 12 i i have been in school almost and forever now because that's what i do but um and also i wanted to live in toronto i don't know why ever since i was a little kid and so i ended up here and then yeah just 
again, followed what I naturally did. So I was always helping people. I, again, liked writing. Um, it took me a long time to realize that could be a job, mm. you know, because I had this idea you need to be a professor or a teacher. Like what I'm doing is not a real job because there's no job title <laughs> what I'm doing. Sure. And then the other thing I, I thought mistakenly is that, well, work should be hard and painful. Mm. Like if this is a worthwhile pursuit, it should hurt. Mm. But I, so I was like, well, this is, I would do this for free. I, I, you know, like, <laughs> I like this too much. This can't be a job. This is not what a job is right. about. And then there's another, I forget who said this quote, but there's that quote that says, you know, um, something about, I can't remember the exact words, but the, the gist of it is that, you know, figure out what you love to do and then find, figure out how to make money from it. Okay. So I just kind of figured that out and I'm still trying to figure it out. So again, everything comes down to like listening to that inner voice. And the more you listen to the inner voice, the more smoothly things will go, like things are always going to happen. Things, mm -hmm. are gonna, things are going to blow up everywhere. You know, especially, yeah. you know, this, if you're an entrepreneur, like, oh, this happens, you're dealing with people, this, uh -huh, problem, uh -huh. you know, but I think if you listen to your inner voice, you can be calm in the midst of these things blowing up. Uh -huh. And then you can still go on the path, like avoiding the landmines, fixing up some stuff and like get to where you want to go. And I, I think a lot of people, the first thing blows up and then they run off. Yeah. You know, it's too scary. And we've all done that. Yeah. I think that's one of those things where a lot of folks that, that I connect with, especially the young ones, I mean, they, they're out of touch with that inner voice because there's too many influences outside where people are telling them to, what to do and like society, social media, their friends and all that sort of stuff where too many folks don't take the time to actually listen. And, and um, as a coach, like a lot of folks, they already know the answer. They already know what to do. Yeah. It's just, they often have too many, like those other crazy voices that are saying stuff that, that get in the way. So I think that that's amazing. And, and we'd love to get into a little bit about kind of how you decide to transition full time into kind of your, your role, because obviously this is not a job and not, not something that you're supposed to have fun with and, and enjoy doing and all that sort of stuff. So that's obviously counter to a lot of what, what's out there in terms of like work uh, what was kind of that decision point that says you know what I can do this full-time I can just go all in I don't have to be doing these these other things uh, as, as well or or was there a moment uh, when that happened I don't think it was a moment I think it was a process okay so I was scared like so what happened is, you know, I finished graduate school. I worked as a research coordinator at the university. I, as I said, did the internship at the embassy in Beijing. I did these different things. And at that moment, I kept thinking, why don't I know what I want to do? <laughs> and I think what I learned is you figure out what you want to do by figuring out what you don't want to do. And so, and this is something I tell young people all the time. So there were things about those different jobs I liked. You mm -hmm. know, I like academia, but I don't want to be an academic. I liked 
the international part of being at the embassy, you know? So I think I kind of went off on a tangent, but there's, so there's different things I liked and I really valued freedom. I knew mm. one of my key values is freedom, which is why I thought I want to go into academia. There's more freedom, mm -hmm. right? Compared to working in the government, say. And I know I like ideas. So I need to be somewhere with ideas. But I was really scared. In the back of my mind, I thought, because I got laid off from my job at the university. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll do my own thing. I'll start a business. Mm. But that was so scary, you know? And so what I did is life, I, at the time, had a partner. We ended up getting married. He was going to graduate school in the States to do his MBA. So instead of dealing with the fear, I put all my energy on his goals because mm. that was safer. Now, incidentally, the marriage didn't work because you can't have, you have to have two individuals coming together, right? Not a caretaker of someone <laughs> else. And then you become like their parent. Um and then what happened is when that broke down and I had to come back to Toronto, literally with two suitcases, I, mm. I literally lost everything. The universe was like, listen, you're not listening. <laughs> lost your inner voice. We're going to wipe out everything so you can hear it. And I remember stand, like literally lost. There's nothing to lose. It's gone. So I had no job. I had, you know, the savings had gone to the MBA. I did negotiate some spousal support. I literally had nowhere to live. And I, and, and I, all my furniture, I can't take, I couldn't move it back from the States too expensive. So just my life in two suitcases and my books I sent to my parents in Alberta for storage. Weird thing happened. I, within a month of returning, my root, previous roommate, so the person I lived with before I got married, her roommate gave her notice and I moved back into the exact same apartment and bedroom <laughs> I lived in before I got married and moved to the States. Mm. And I was, it was literally a do-over and I was walking down the street of, of Bathurst and there's one point you can turn, you can go to the subway station, which would take you down to the university or you can go the other way and go back to the, go to this apartment I lived in with my um, ex-husband. And I stood on that corner and as the light was changing, I was like, I get it. <laughs> You're trying to tell me last time you went this way and it didn't work out. And right. this time you need to go this way. Right. You know, this way to try it. Yeah. So I, I said to myself, I think then I was like 31. And I thought for some reason, I shouldn't go back to school any later than 35. I don't know why. I don't know why. So I thought, you know, in order to go back to school at 35, I would have to apply for school at 34. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to just try this for three years. I'm going to go down this path for three years. If at the end of three years, it doesn't work out, I'm going to try option B, mm. right? And so those three years were hard. And there were many times I wanted to quit, but because I somehow gave myself this arbitrary, like deadline, right. Commitment. I went through all those obstacles and bumps. And by the end of three years, I could support myself on my business and it became real. 
Mm-hmm. And so all those insecurities and doubt, it kind of forced me to work through all those insecurities and doubts since I couldn't just run away, right? Um, and then once it became real, then it was a job. And still to this day, my mom will sometimes be like, well, why don't you get a job? And I'm like, mom, I have a job. <laughs> I just work for myself, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> just because they, and I say, you wouldn't choose this life, but you know, I've chosen it. So, you know, get your head around it. So, yeah, I think it's a a lot of factors getting back in touch with the inner voice and structures, accountability, something. So you can't just quit on your dream because I think people, when you start something, it's exciting, it's new, but then it starts getting hard mm-hmm. and that's when people quit mm-hmm. but and it's always hard it's always hard but the only thing that happens is that first of all you don't fear the problems as much because you just accept there's going to be problems you don't take the problem personally right there's just going to be a problem and i think over time as you overcome problems you also start to get some sort of joy or excitement over solving problems. Sure. Nobody yeah. likes to get a problem, but because your confidence grows, at least my mindset changed where it's like, oh, problem. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cry in the corner. Now I'm like, okay, a problem. Is this a problem or is this an opportunity for growth? For sure. Yeah. And, and that's just how I see it. And I know, okay, I'm going to, it's not going to be fun. You know, it's yeah. like starting writing an essay. First 50, any project, first 15, 20 minutes, pain. Yeah. But once you get into it, you get into the flow, you learn something. And at the end, you have something better. And then along comes another problem. And, mm-hmm. you know, same thing. And that's life. Yeah, I, I like to refer to them as puzzles instead of problems. Because uh, it's just something that uh, it has a solution. You just haven't figured out what it is yet. And with a little bit of persistence and a bit of luck sometimes, then, then you can definitely uh, get that. So I'd love if we kind of uh, recap and, and, well, kind of close out the uh, interview with a little bit of your swike. So, so you talked about the uh, stuff I wish I knew earlier. Definitely follow the inner voice and, and pay attention. Listen to it. Uh, go left versus right. That sort of thing. Sometimes the universe tells you what to do. And if you don't listen, it'll come back <laughs> and oh, yeah. tell you to listen again even harder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you mentioned also structure and accountability. So so kind of the, the three years, the deadline and, and pushing forward past kind of discomfort uh, and then treating those, those problems as opportunities. I think that that's a great mindset to have. But uh, are there is an, a, another one or two that you'd want to share with folks uh, or with young Lisa at uh, maybe a couple of turbulent times in, in her life that you'd want to share with her? What, what, what is some of that that swike you'd share with your younger self? Yeah, I think I was always an overachiever. I'm still an overachiever. There are a lot of overachievers out there. Okay. And the thing about overachievers is that we're always trying to get to some sort of goal. Mm. And we're really focused on outcomes. Okay. You know, like grades, whatever, promotions, whatever. And so I think letting go of outcomes. Mm. Because that outcomes create expectations which create anxiety right and when you're anxious you can't really live to your full potential and it makes 
the process of doing things painful as opposed to fun. Mm -hmm. So I think let go of outcomes and then knowing it's all going to work out. It's not going to work out in the way I thought. It's not going to work out in the timeline I expect, but it will somehow work out. And often it works out better than you expected. Like, yeah, you get something better. So I think those two more things. Yeah, I think that's amazing. What, what I uh, took from that is, is, as you mentioned, a lot of people focus on the outcomes, but I encourage folks to take a look at like process goals. Like what are you learning in the, in the process, right? The, yeah. the quote lies about the journey, not the destination, because right. uh, you could study hard, you could, you could learn all these things or whatever, but still not pass the course or not get the grade that you want. Uh, but as long as you have that learning and can take that with you, then you can grow and evolve, uh, which, which I think is uh, the better lesson than, than a mark or a grade or, or, or promotion or this and that. Uh, and then on the second item about, uh, yeah, it, it'll all work out. I think it's a lot of it is uh, you interpreting things and, and making it work out. Cause a lot of people are focused on making the right decision. Whereas I encourage folks to make the decision right. Like the situation, you can't go back in time and change it anyway. So you might as well make the most of this experience and then figure out how to make it the right decision anyway. So I, that's a couple of things I took up. But um, thanks, Lisa, for sharing your story. And I'm sure uh, there'll be more conversations to be had, probably a deeper dive in NEN or all of these things that we ha talked about. But uh, what are some of the, the future aspirations we can look forward to, to hearing about uh, you uh, undertaking? And, and where can people uh, connect with you and find out a little bit more about you? Yeah, so I don't, I mean, I, I'm like, should I share this on the podcast? <laughs> so I, um, I run my own business. I'm a woman running her own business. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this all by myself, no partner. So my future aspirations aren't really business related, but I'm trying to have my own family Okay. and find a way to run my business <laughs> while being a single mom. Okay. Um, and that's happening this January, 2022. So cool. fingers crossed. So I think that's my current aspiration is figuring out how to be a good potential parent and leader um and as a result of that you know trying to change the way I do things to give more responsibility and stuff to other people mm -hmm. so that I can sort of step back um and it has been hard with COVID because mm -hmm. you know especially I feel like right now the economy is being hit more than during COVID um, at least in my uh, sector. Um, so yeah, because I think as a business person, it's hard to let go of control. Like this is literally your like your child. Like I'm yeah. It, so. You already have a family, your business, yeah, and so now you're starting trying, a second family. <laughs> yeah, trying to step back and trying to have a more balanced life. That you know, I love my work, but there's other parts of life so that's my aspiration and cool. i guess tied to that is what i said about like letting go mm -hmm. and um yeah maybe just being more like in the moment mm -hmm. like moment to moment like being really present mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and where can you find out about me um well i think the best way is to go to the website www.fau.ca and fau is p is in peter f is in frank au 
And there's links to our social media, our podcast, which Luki has been a guest on, I think, what, two years ago? Something around there, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he talks about career stuff because that's kind of what you were into at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Yeah, I think that's it. Send me an email. Sounds good. All, all the information will be linked in the show notes. And uh, thanks so much, Lisa, for sharing your, your insights and, and your goals and kind of that uh, that journey along the way. So hopefully everybody takes a listen to their their inner voice later on. Just just be uh, take a moment of, of silence and, and mindfulness and just kind of connect with yourself. And it may not happen right away, but uh, eventually you, you'll hear it uh, calling out. And if not, the, the universe might uh, tell you anyway, <laughs> whether you like it or not, as, as you experience. But thanks so much for sharing your story. Uh, Lisa and and hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode yeah you're welcome it was my pleasure thanks for joining us on the swipe stuff I wish I knew earlier the podcast if you like the podcast please subscribe on iTunes Stitcher or wherever you found this podcast and if you can give us a review that would be very appreciated feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.